So I was debating, should I put the screen behind me this time or just let the background of the office kind of come through? And I was like, nah, I want to, I want to have the office flow today. Um, I'm, I'm in a very interesting place with, with where God has been taking me with this message. And we're back to the family. I know we did just trust last week. We went away and but now we I'm back. We're back. And um we're going back to Hebrews chapter two. And we're going to finish up this chapter so we can get the rest of the stuff in that we're supposed to have. It's very important in this season that we understand our position in the kingdom. And the reason why I'm sharing that is this, you know. I know Nellie just talked about, you know, God showing us she got to take the steps and um, Jericho stepped out and, you know, left her job just in, in by leading the leading of the spirit with, you know, without knowing, you know, going to a land whose building makers the Lord, not knowing exactly what it is, but stepping out. And I've seen some of you do that. Like, look, I'm just going to take the stand. I'm going to take a step and I'm going to see, give God a chance to show up and show off, you know. And, you know, faith without works is dead. We understand that. The works is not labor, meaning hard work, but meaning the works of faith. And I want to establish that there's physical works and there's works of faith. And I want you to just, if you're taking notes, you, this may be a good place to take a note. <clears throat> I know a lot of Christians who work very hard and never achieve or prosper in the thing God has called them to. That's work, that's flesh work, that's physical work, that's hard work, stress and anxiety and frustration and going to work at six o'clock in the morning and leaving at six o'clock at night. And that's not the work he's talking about. See, physical work has for a temporary season of self-gratification. And what I mean by that, you can then beat your chest and say, well, I worked hard. Yeah, well, then where does God's glory shine if you take the credit for all the work that you do? Or you put in 18 hours a day and slaved until you got sick and fell over. And then you ask him, well, where was God and all this? I worked. But the work in faith is more difficult, if you be honest, until you master it. And what I mean by that is this, having to stand still and believe when God is telling you to stand still and believe when the whole world seems to be moving and going to and fro around you, that's tough. Believing in that which is not seen is tough. He said to Thomas when he, Jesus appeared and he said, put your hand on my side, he said, and he said, my Lord and my God, he said, well, you see, so you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. You understand what I'm saying? It is more difficult when you are anchored in the natural and in the flesh and in your own physical works to believe God and God's promise. What God said he wants to do requires a work of shutting down the flesh and shutting down the mind and trust in your spirit. And that part is work. And no matter how many times our father moves, every time a new opportunity comes around, it looks like we are leaning right back toward the flesh. 
Let me see if you're going to shake your head yes or no on this one. How many of you have seen God move in your life in the past and then the same situation came up later and you found yourself starting to freak out again? See? So it's, it's, it's <laughs> his mercies are new every morning and the faith required to receive those mercies are new as well. Because every time that situation represents itself, you still have to take yourself back to and anchor yourself again in God. You can't say I anchored myself 10 years ago, so therefore I'm anchored for the rest of my life. And when you meet, and I do believers in quote, who've seen God move. I remember back in 1965 when I had cancer and God healed me. And I'm like, why are you still talking about 1965, bro? Like, what has God done for you lately? What have you allowed God to do since then? You done got the cancer again, and you still talking about 1965. This, this is the place where God requires me to come back to the throne and receive from him afresh for what he's doing in this situation, and to be still in a different kind of way. You understand that? It requires you to be silent again, to surrender it all again, and all of the fortresses and walls that you've built since his last deliverance are useless in this battle. Only thing that's useful in this battle is the memory of what he's done in terms of encouragement. And David encouraged himself in the Lord, meaning he put himself in remembrance of what God did before, and he used that to build on the new stand and the new foundation, but the old foundation is past. It's another life. It's another stand, and it requires you to continually go to the Father because the nature of a man is to continually go to his own resources. Are we good with this? Are we understanding? Anybody have a problem with what I'm saying? Now watch this. I don't want to go all the way back to the beginning. I want to take us from, we couple, I'll, just, I'll just gloss over it. It started by saying, give heed not to forget the things you heard in Hebrews chapter two. And then he talked about angels having to be steadfast and obedience. And how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? I broke that down for us. I won't do it again. And it was confirmed to us by him, God himself, bearing witness, verse four, with signs and wonders and divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Now, verse five said, for unto the angels hath he not put in subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak. I'm going to go to the NIV. I'm reading out the King James right now, so I know the language is a little funny. I'm going to switch. But in one certain place, testify, saying, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visits him? We went through all of this. I ain't going to go through it again. You made him a little lower than God. You crowned him with glory and honor, and did set him above the works of your hands. And I just want to grab that last part of that verse 7. And you did set him above the works of your hands. Who thinks they understand where I'm going? And you did set him above the works of your hands. In other words, the world and everything that exists in it is God's creation. And I need to put this out there and I need you to understand, especially my newbies. 
They could have had iPhones and iPads in the Garden of Eden. If they wanted all of that technology, jets, cars, rockets, all of that could have been there. How can you say that? Very, 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 very easy. Nothing that is made by man does not come from the resources that already exist on the planet Earth. They're not pulling stuff out the sky. When they say men invent stuff, they invent it in terms of the way to use it. But the ability to, to create everything that exists today, internet and everything else, existed from the beginning of time. Nothing that man creates, he does not pull from the resources of this planet which God created. With that said, everything that exists is from the original creation of God. That's why I say God created everything. There's nothing. If God didn't give man the wisdom, the insight to understand radio waves and television waves and satellite, none of it would exist. It all comes from God. Every bit of it, whether man misuse it or use it right, that's on man. But the ability to create the technology always was there and will always be there. Are we on the same page now? Now, with that understood, the works of God's hands, as he reveals to each and every individual person to create and, and develop, is there. Which means for you and me, I'm not telling you I got to go out and create the next satellite, I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. And he did set him over all the works of his hands. God set man over all the works of his hands. Stay with me. He set you, just let's not say man, say you. Say God set me over all the works of his hands all the works of his hands, all of the works of his hands. That being said, there's not a thing that's created that should be Lord over you. If he set you over all the works of his hands, money is certificate for gold, which is pulled out of rocks in the tree, that makes the money is paper and all of this stuff, everything in your house, everything you touch from your curtains to the chair you sit in to the computer you're looking on right now comes from the natural resources of God. And his word says, watch this. And he did set you, us, over all of those works. So that means if I'm running in pursuit of Money, things, property, and they become the thrust of my happiness. The thing that God has put me over has gotten over me. It's backwards. Something's wrong if the thing is Lord over us and we pursue it. When he put that all under us, we have control. We just have to take that control. I had a conversation with somebody one time and they were going back and forth with, well, the animals and men and men's an animal and we're no different and on and on and on. And I said, you know, sometime your intellect can make you stupid. Let's think about what makes man different. 
We're made in the image and likeness of God. Animals are not. What I'm about to say to you is, 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 is profound, but I want you to understand it. We're not the strongest animal on the planet. Probably the weakest. Most of you scared of dogs. Some of you are screaming, have a fit when you see a bug. So it shows you man is definitely not the most powerful creature on the planet. If you could put a mouse in the room and everybody goes running and diving and hiding and listen. So then why then do we control the earth? Set a few lines loose in the, in the middle of the street and you see where everybody is. They gone. But how come they don't have us in cages bringing their um, cubs to come see us perform? Because we're made in the image and likeness of God and they're not. They're creatures and they're made by God. They're not made in his image and likeness. And what does image and like, image likeness mean? That he's put all things under you. So you can't beat a gorilla. Probably can't even beat a monkey. But you can control them. And you got power over them. And you got power over them because God put all things, all creation under and made it subject to you. That's the only reason. And that's a big reason because it shows you, are you listening to me? Your God stature. You're a God stature. You're, you're in the stature in the image of God. And just because you don't see it doesn't make it so. Just because you have a low self-esteem doesn't change God's position. It doesn't change the position in, in the pecking order in this earth realm. You may not be walking in it, but it doesn't mean you're not it. So when he says, I see a sore vanity, princes riding, walking like slaves and slaves riding horses like princes, he's, it's not just people we're talking about. It's talking about everything that God put under you and made subject to you having rule over you. There's nothing that is on this earth that's created that's more powerful than you. There's nothing that has a higher ranking order in the realm of the spirit than you. Nothing. Not a person, not a feeling, not an emotion, not an object. Did I get my point across? So I pray that from this point, when we seek God about things, we stop seeking that thing as if our life would be so much better if this was like this. And they treated me like this. And they gave me this raise on this job. And all these things that we are needing to feel God-like or at least high, a little bit higher has all been subjected to us and put underneath us. In your spirit, get things back in its proper order. It's a process. So I'll go back to my initial statement. Faith is more of a challenge than natural stuff because faith requires you to consistently check your flesh, put it back in its place because even your flesh should not be in that elevated state or that God superior state. Your flesh is, should be under you and subjected to our spirits. Our, our flesh is under us. We let it control us. I was sitting in my house last week and I bought, I, was in, I went shopping 
It's so funny. You go to these all natural health stores and then they have a candy section. Right? And so, of course, you say to yourself, well, it's candy. So it's in a healthy store. So it's got to be good candy. It can't be, can't be preservatives or not. There's got to be healthy sugar, healthy, healthy junk food, right? And I bought a bag of Jordan almonds. How many of you know what those are? There's those candy shelled almonds. They, they look like, like they could be M&Ms almost. There's no chocolate. It's just a crunchy candy shell and it's almonds inside. Man, those things are so good. And I bought a little bag. So I'm not going to buy too much. I'm going to buy too much. I'm, I'm going to be disciplined. So I stayed under a pound. I got like a half a pound. I put them things in the front seat of the car with me on my way home. I'm just going to eat a couple. Before I got home, I ate that whole thing. I was like, I could not make my flesh stop. I kept saying, no, 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 put them in the back, put them in the back. I put them in the back. Before I knew it, my hand was reaching back there for them things without me even like realizing it. I'm like, all right, just go ahead and eat them. The, the Lord understands. It's like that, that, that flesh was like, I'm boss right now. I want this candy. You don't run things right now. I run things. That's what it does with worry. That's what it does with fear. That's what it does with any other emotion, anger, bitterness. It rises up and says to you, I'm not under your feet. You're under me. And we have to stop and step back and say, God, this word right here says that you put all things under my feet and you made them subject to me. So what do I need to do that I rise above every and anything that's on this planet Earth and know that I am in the, in the role of leadership and authority here? After God comes you, then the angels. But after God comes you. All right. Now, did I beat that in enough? And he did set him above or over all the works of his hands. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 8. That has put all things in, in subjection under his feet. That he put all in subjection under him and left nothing that is not put under him. Are you reading what I'm reading? But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus who was made. And this is where you, like I said, you know, that statement is a lie, a little lower than the angels. Jesus is not made a little lower than angels. He's talking about in the human form where man is now not in the spiritual realm, but functioning in the earthly realm. That In that realm, you're a little lower than angels, in the realm of the flesh. But in the realm of the spirit, you are not lower than anything. He put all things under your feet. Can't be both. You can't be all things under your feet that would include angels, but then make you lower than them. So what I'm submitting to you today is depending, depending on what realm you function and operate out of depends where you sit in the ranks. If you're a flesh person that's moved by anger and emotion and all this kind of stuff, and I had to deal with a lot of that 
since my since my situation and what I was going through and emotional attacks from this side and personal attacks from that side. And it was so hard for me to stay out the emotional flesh realm. It was so hard to keep me from losing. It was so hard to keep me. And sometimes it still can be a little bit of a struggle. But every day I'm working. Are you listening to me? Every day I'm working to put that flesh under before the Lord. To sit before God and say, God, I want that flesh so under that I can't even see it. I want that flesh so under they got to look up to see the bottom of my feet. Because that flesh... It wants to take charge, but it's not your God. Depression, this, emotions. Oh, listen, I hear you, flesh, and I hear you talking. And I understand you got a problem. But I'm going to file that under G for garbage. And I got to focus on G, which is my God. I can't focus on what you are yelling at me. You can't be my boss. See, if you start speaking to your flesh like that, your flesh will start to realize you mean business and it'll get in its place. Hmm. Hmm. I went to the, I had to have a physical a couple of days ago. And I just want to share this as a praise report as well as part of what I'm sharing with you. And I told you guys how bad my, blood pressure was like 190 something over 107 it was really bad matter of fact the person who did the um the physical um a couple of days ago said i'm i'm surprised you didn't have a stroke like how are you even still walking around and i said no it was by god's grace but she took my blood pressure three times and my blood pressure came in 118 over 84 and perfect is 120 over 80 and I have not been taking the medication. But I submitted to God from this perspective. Remember when I was 300 pounds and I said I was going to lose the weight? And I kept telling you guys, you kept saying, well, you know, I tried vegan. It didn't work for me. And I kept telling your knuckleheads, it's spiritual first. The vegan was just the oil in the meal in the barrel. The oil in the meal didn't increase and multiply itself. God did. But he used that as a tool i just locked on to the vegan as my my gathering up the jars that was my giving the prophet the last one that was my object of faith that was something that i can hold on to are you listening to me in the earth realm to say i identify this as my covenant between you and i god that i'm taking a stand to do my part now you do your part so even with a whole bag of jordan almonds and everything that I know I have not been eating the greatest, definitely been eating more carbs lately than I should. She did my weight and I was close to 15 pounds lighter than I was um, four months ago when I did physical. So I'm saying I'm not taking credit. Oh, yeah, because I just ate well and I watched my carbs. I got a calorie counter. And every time I get ready to put something in my mouth, I shock myself in the neck to make sure I stop doing it. Listen, I don't do none of that mess. What I do is say, Father, trust in you. You give me that. I'm committed to you and you will do it. So it's spiritual first. And it's in the realm of the flesh, flesh, you shut up. And God said to me, you don't eat almonds, Jordan almonds every day. Calm down. You'll be all right. You know how to eat. Just keep eating the way I taught you to eat and keep trusting me. You're going to be just fine. 
And so when she did that thing, this lady, she wasn't a, a church lady, a Christian woman, whatever. I was going to jump around and dance and do the holy dances across the room because one, my blood pressure was perfect. I've been years fighting with that, fighting with it, taking the drugs they tell me to take, taking the natural herbal supplements, doing all the works. Are y'all listening to me? Doing all the works to try to get my flesh to agree with my spirit by chasing the flesh. Trying to make myself behave. Try to punish myself and, 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 and restrict this and cut that. And I'm not saying you don't do that, but I'm saying you do it by his spirit. Not by working all day and all night until you fall out and pass out. I surrendered it and in surrender it and surrendering it to him, my spirit took over what my flesh couldn't. And, you know, I like to say this to you guys. How many of you have you ever used the term supernatural? Did God move? That was supernatural. You seen the power of God happen to something? It was a supernatural move of God. I want to make sure you understand what you're saying when you say this. Natural. It's what you live with every day. And the word super, it's not like Superman. The super has a meaning. It means above. That's what super means. I know we like just made it to superheroes. Super means above something. Superimposed is above. The word super, look it up if you think I'm wrong. The definition of super is to be above something. So above natural is what supernatural means. Got it? That makes sense, right? God is above natural. So it's supernatural. But what I don't want you to leave out is natural's in there. Natural has a root. And then you put God's super on your natural. And that's what you call a miracle. When God puts his super on your natural. So your natural is not the problem, is you focus more on your natural than your super. And the people of God said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're going to change that. We want to get you to focus on the realm in which you really should be functioning out of that brings the manifestation in your natural. And that's what I've been focusing on. I don't want my emotions to win the argument. I want your spirit to win. I don't want my, my, my frustrations to be my driving point or my driving force. Are you listening to me? I don't want to be frustrated every time it don't go the way I want it to go. I don't want to be frustrated every time somebody gives me a correction and then I go, oh, Oh, man, I just feel like I can't just, I just can't seem to get this right. I, see, that, that's demonic. And it needs to die. This is just one more opportunity for my spirit, man, who I am, to rise up above what the natural is showing me. He put all things under you. And then he goes on to explain how he put all things under Christ. Watch this. Let's keep going. 
I'm finishing up um, eight. But now we see not yet all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than angels, than the angels for the suffering of death. That's why it makes sense. But he crowned him with glory and honor, but we read above that he gave us glory and honor. Now, are you remember in the first couple of verses? Let me see, in case you don't those of you who weren't here, when it says he gave us glory and honor. Um, who are what is man that thou art mind for him? Was that verse six? Yep, seven. And thou madest him a little lower than the angels, talking about men, and crowned him with glory and honor. That said, he said about man. And now he's talking about Jesus. And of course, we're the body of Christ. So it's the same. And he said, you've made him a little lower, angels, for the suffering of death, and crowned him with glory and honor, that he, by grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's a whole different message. Jesus tastes death for you so you don't have to. But we all die. No, you don't. Your body ceases to exist. You step from one realm to another. That's a whole different message. I won't start down that journey. For it became him for whom all things... Let me, let me go to regular English. I don't want to confuse your poor folk. I love, I love that. I love that Elizabethan English. But let, 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 me, let me help you out here a little bit. Let me go to the, which version do I want to do? Hmm. Okay, let's try to amp. Starting at verse 10, for it, for it was an act worthy of God and fitting to the divine nature that he, now this is, this sounds a little more confusing. Yeah, you're trying to get too you're trying to get too too heavy here. I'm gonna get something that just flows natural. Okay. Yeah, let's let's go with this one. Let's go with the NIV. It's real plain English. Let's do it. Verse nine. But we do not see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by grace, the grace of God he may taste death for everyone. I've covered that. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory. So he tasted death for you so that he could bring you to glory. It was fitting that God for whom and through everything exists. Didn't I start the message by saying that? Everything exists through God. Everything, every wire, every cable, every light, every everything, Right? He said, for forgiveness, it was fitting for God, that God for whom and through everything exists should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Watch this. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy of the same family. I'm explaining that. Stay with me. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Watch this. He says, Jesus, 
I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly, assembly and sing the praise and sing your praises. Sing whose praises? This is Jesus declaring, talking about you. I'm going to sing your praises before the heavenly host when I get back over there. I'm going to get before the Father, and I'm going to talk about my brothers and sisters, and I'm going to sing their praise, the ones who accepted me, the ones who I died for, the ones who I get, I came and gave my life for so that they could have that fellowship with me and all things to be subjected under their feet like they're under mine because they belong to me. And he's up there bragging about you to the angels, letting them know these are my babies. Now, I don't know, maybe he, you don't think he's doing that about you, but he definitely talking about me. I'm telling you right now, he's telling everybody about me. They up there writing the Book of Diamond right now. I know. They they, they chopped in verse. They like writing that sucker out right now. I, I, I promise you that. So watch this. He said, I will declare your name to my, brother, to, um, to my brothers and sisters in the assembly, and I will sing your praises again. I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am, and the children God has given me. So this is a position of authority that was given to us in love by the act that he committed. The title of the message is We Are Family, and this is Jesus declaring to us on a whole different level the fellowship between us and him is not boss and employees, uppling and lower, lowering, lowerings, um, servants, slaves. Because I've heard people say, I'm a slave of the Lord. This is not what the word is saying. I'm not God's slave. No, but the scripture says, no, your flesh should be a servant. Your flesh should be slave, not you. You're not a slave. You're children of the most high God. You're born again, resurrected. You're covered in the blood. And we like to say covered in the blood. I like to, I like to explain that a little bit better. I don't, me, I don't see it as blood pouring all over me being covered. I see it that God did, literally did a, 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 a spiritual surgery where he removed all my blood and replaced it with his. I am a family member. I have his DNA. My DNA has been rewritten. I have the DNA that Jesus have. My, my blood is, I'm in his bloodline. I have been brought into the family and recreated, the scripture said, in his image and in his likeness again. I am of the family of God. And for those who don't have his blood and his DNA, that's when they stand before the, the courts of judgment and they're not received because they don't identify you as blood. That's why I say the many try to come in through the wide gate. They try to come into all kinds of ways. Now is the road to salvation. Few find it. Why does scripture say things like that? Because everybody tries to come into good works or I serve in the church. I bless the community. I, I, I'm nice to people. I travel around the world and I do missionary work. And that's the wide gate that everybody try to get in. But it's a narrow gate and few find it. And how do you find it? It has to be a blood board adoption. It has to be an adoption where when you stand before the throne, they recognize the DNA, that DNA swab your mouth in, in heaven and the DNA comes back. Yep, one of ours. This is what it is. You can't fake the DNA. You can fake the works. 
You can be an evil, evil man and woman, and you see the, the preachers and pastors, whatever, doing they molesting children, all kind of stuff. And in the community, everybody's praising them for what a great job they do and what wonderful works they do, but their DNA ain't right. And when they get before the throne, the DNA test is going to put them out. The, you are family to him. And so he said, let's read this verse again, verse 12. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly and sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am in the children God has given me. This is Jesus talking. Let's go ahead. Ready? We're going to bring this home today, right here on this, these, these last couple of verses. But here it is. And since, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity Stop. Stop. This is our bring it home or bring it homes. So please say, Father, open my ears and eyes that I may hear, apprehend, and totally keep what I receive from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to see that he understands the difference between this is God, this is God's word talking about Jesus and his position and how he made us family and how we were honored with glory and honor. And it goes on and breaks on how things were, all things are under Jesus' feet, which we knew, but you probably didn't know before this message was, but the, the Bible says God put all things under our feet. When you talking about what is man that you are mindful of him and the description they gave of us, then it goes on and describes Jesus with the same description put him under the little lower than angels and put all things under his feet. The description of you and Jesus in this verse is identical. It's identical. You can't be the body of Christ and have a different definition. You can't define my left hand as one thing and then make my right hand an outsider. It's all part of one body. It's all me. My right hand has access to what my left hand has pri is privy to. It's all the same. And he's saying, watch this, in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, and he lifted us all up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, last time I studied the scriptures, it said that Jesus, after he paid the price, he was lifted up and sat in the right hand of the Father forever. So if we are sitting in heavenly places, according to Ephesians chapter 1, in Christ Jesus, that means we are sitting in the right hand of the Father as the body of Christ. That's why all things are under our feet, because we're his body. And I don't care if I'm his fingernail. All things are still under my feet. I'm part of his body. So now let's bring this home. Since the children of God have flesh and blood, you know, he said, understanding what their issues are, understand they got issues, their flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity. Jesus took on flesh and blood so that by his death, he may break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil. Boom. 
Slam dunk. I understand you got flesh and blood, and I understand you couldn't beat him in that flesh and blood. So because I knew you had flesh and blood, I took flesh and blood to, that I may be able to do that flesh and blood, break the power of him who holds the power of death. And then he makes it, in case you don't know who I'm talking about, that is the devil. I broke his power over you. That is the devil. And free those or their lives. Are you see that? Are you seeing that? And free those who or their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's what the devil holds over you. That's what mobs and, and everybody else threatens your life. When somebody wants to get you to do something they, you don't want to do, they threaten your life. They get that from their father, the devil. He said, so watch this. And free all, the, free all who their lives were slaves or held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. That's, that corrects a little lower than angels thing one more time, but I won't go into it. And for this reason, he had to be made like them. Jesus had to come. And you know this. I'm not teaching you something you don't know, but maybe I am. He had to come in and become flesh in this earth realm to take back the authority in the earth realm and to understand your weaknesses in the flesh that he could provide the aspirin or the solution or the Tylenol to your situation. See, God ain't never felt the conflicts that you feel. God ain't never felt the weaknesses that you feel. God has never felt the temptations that you felt. So he said, if I'm going to be a perfect savior to them, I have to take on their flesh so that now I know Basically, I can reverse engineer them back to glory. See, if I come in the flesh and I can feel, oh, so that's what that is. Okay, so there's a, there's a, there's an app for that. Oh, this is what your struggle is. There's an app for that. Oh, this is what your issue is. There's an app for that too. There's a pill for that. I got a solution for all of that because I came. I went through all of that for you, so that now all the solutions are yours to have. And that's why this scripture says that he has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Let me make sure I'm clear about this. Life meaning everything on earth and godliness meaning for you to walk in your godhood, not for you to act godly, whatever that earth crap is, people try to call acting godly. That's just self-behaving. That ain't acting godly. Godliness is your realm, your role where all things are under your feet. So I've given you everything today that pertains to the flesh and your God realm. Say, I have a God realm and I need to walk in it and I will walk in it. And as of this day, I shall walk in it. And I pray right now that God begin to identify to you that you have a God realm. You don't have to just keep walking in this flesh realm and treating the God realm like it's some distant, faraway place. You just have to walk in it. Hmm. 
going back to 16, for surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Somebody say, that would be me. And for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he may become merciful and a, a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, and that he make might make atonement, meaning, I'm going to explain that to you in a minute, for the sins of the people. Watch this. So he had to become fully human in every way so that he may become a merciful and faithful high priest. I had to understand them in God's ser in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered and was tempted. He is able now to help those who are being tempted. Yeah, I know sometimes I'm tempted to eat and tempted to fornicate. That's low-level stuff. The, temptation, the biggest temptation for you is to walk as a slave when you're a priest. That's the biggest temptation, to stay in the realm of power. If you're walking in that realm, you're not wrestling with all of this earthly mess. If you're really keeping the world under your feet the way God put it, you're not struggling with how I'm going to pay this bill or how I'm going to get this done. How You'll reach inside of a rock and pull it out. You'll pull up a fish out the wall like Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, oh, we got to pay the taxes. Let's go get a job. He just threw a fish line and pulled up a fish and opened the fish's mouth and pulled the money out. See, this is the kind of stuff that man can't do. I need to put in an extra for a few extra hours. Maybe I'll make another work another 20 hours. Jesus went fishing. Found his tax money. I, I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm like, God, I want to go outside and find some animal or something and reach aside and pull out all my tax money. <laughs> you know, it, it, my point is. My point is, he said, works that he did, I should do also. Don't, don't look at me stupid. And greater works than these, so I won't be able to pull a bigger, big amount out. But I digress. Here's the point. Back to seriousness. He's a faithful high priest because he's felt everything you felt. He took on everything you took. But why does God let things happen? No, why do you let things happen? He put all things under your feet. He's given you all power and authority. And when things go wrong in your life, and you don't take a stand. That's not God's decision. You got a free will. That's yours and the person who decided to do it against you. That's not God's. Why God let them do that? Because you have a free will, but you also have authority. And you have the authority over these people. You have it. You have authority over these situations. You have it. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What does that mean? You don't know the power you have. And because you don't, and preachers are standing on the pulpit telling you you're a peasant and you're a sinful creature and you're born in sin, you're dying in sin, and I'm, you know, we ain't nothing but filthy rags. And I've heard preachers say that. And I, every time I'm in the service, I hear preachers talk like that. I'm like, God, please, can I leave now? I don't want to sit here and listen to this message. On TV, I just turn their crap off. I don't want to get up and walk out in the middle of somebody's service and make them feel bad. But I'm like, he's talking this stupidity. I'm not sitting here listening to this mess because I'm not a filthy rag. First of all, I'm not a rag. He said, your righteousness is as a filthy rag. That means anything you do to be righteous in your own strength is garbage. He didn't say you were a filthy rag. God never called you a filthy rag. And don't let anybody call you, spiritually slap them right in their mouth if they call you a filthy rag. You're not a filthy rag. You're nobody's rag. You're God's jewel. Scripture said, he, at the beginning of this chapter, he said, he crowned you. Who was man that you were mindful of him, that you lifted him up and you crowned him with glory and honor? The angels are asking. Somebody shout, I'm crowned with glory and honor. 
God did that for me. And if you don't receive it, I receive it. I'm crowned with glory and honor. And whenever I go anywhere, people gravitate for, toward me and they see me. And not because he's such a sweet guy. They see the anointing on me and they don't know what it is. They, they just know they just want to be around me. They want to talk to me. They want to get to know me. They want to bring me close up to them. And I know that, and, and, and you know, Lizzie, you've heard me say it over the years and the years and the years. And what's happening here in Lehigh Valley should be no shock. I said, I never have to start at the bottom. Haven't you heard me confess that your whole life? I never have to start at the bottom. God always puts me right to the top, always. No matter what I get involved in, I always wind up right next to the, 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 the president, the CEO, the boss. I always get pulled straight up to the top. That always happens for me. I expect that because everything else is under my feet. So when people say, you know, you come home, work with us. And I think you do. You, you want me to take a job? Yo, boy, I'm the head not the tail. I don't need no job. I'll help. I'll be a consultant, but I'm, I don't need no job. I don't need a job. I'm telling you right now, if I have to go outside right now and shake a tree and let's see a lot of money fall out, that's what God will have me do. I don't need to work for nobody. I'm blessed to be there. And people want to bless me to be in their presence. This is, this is my, you hear me speaking, I said it. You heard me say it. It's a privilege to have me and my anointing around you. No shame in it. I don't believe he could say something like that. That's so arrogant. Did you just read what we just read? Let's bring it home. Verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like them. Fully human in every way, in order that he may become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of his people, because he himself suffered and was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Let's go with the word atonement. Do you know what atonement is? Who knows? Okay, I'm going to help you out. Because people are saying, you know, you can make atonement. And so, like I said, people know how to use words in a sentence, but they don't know the meaning of a word. If Jesus made atonement, are you ready for this? And this is where we're wrapping up. So get your seatbelts on. Ready? I want you to look at the word. Atonement. I want you to break it into the three syllables and then say it. Who got it? Okay, I'm gonna help you. Ready? At one mint. To make you one with God, to put you back to the place where you are at one mint, one and the same. At Atonement means to put you back in the place of that equality. He, whatever separated you is now broken and you are now atoned. You are at one mint with God. Jesus came to put you, wait a minute. He said you were made in the image of likeness of him. So you were already made as one with him. But then man fell. And his tie was severed and Satan got between the man and God and started having influence and put man under him. And Jesus came as a man that he could feel what you are and put in 
place the remedies to make you one with God again. At one minute. I'm praying to see myself to the place as standing next to God, looking at him eye to eye and not feeling no shame about that. I'm believing that I am one with him. He thinks like me, I think like him, not being ashamed. Who are men that you are mindful of him? And I shared with you a couple of weeks ago the scripture that says, and Kwame, you call, you call me about it and I sent you the link. You could put it in the chat. Little children, you are gods and children of the most high God is in Psalms. And uh, Yeah, I think it's in Psalms. And my point is, God has never seen us less than that. But the accuser of the brethren don't go up to God and say, ooh, look what he did. He broke that. Ooh, he stole that. Ooh, he said a bad word. Look at him. He God, ooh. And you think that that's what Satan is doing as the accuser of the brethren? No. What it means is he's constantly accusing you and telling you that you are not equal to or have the right to claim citizenship in the kingdom of God. That's his accusation. He's constantly telling you that because of who he says you are, you are beneath him. You are not at one minute with God. You don't have the right to claim the things of God or to walk with the swag of God or act like you have anything to do with God. But I'm telling you right now, you do. He put it up. Psalms 82, 6. Thank you. Thank you, Kwame. So I'm going to wrap up on this note, babies. You're at one minute with God. You're one and the same. God and I are one and the same. I thought about it after I got saved and I started to understand some of the stuff. I said, well, at least the 5% has had that part right. They said, I'm God. And, and, and I just said, oh, boy. But like they got, they had that right. They had that part right. They just didn't, they was trying to, the part they had wrong is they was trying to have, say, I'm God without the Savior. You can't be God without the Savior. You can't be God without the blood and the DNA. You can't be. But the reality is, we're made in his image and likeness. And all things have been made subject and put under our feet. So what's your next step? So yours, children of God. Father, I just pray today as we close this series that they study this again and they study to show themselves to prove a man or woman that need not be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and that they get the things out of this that they're supposed to get and go to the next levels. I pray that for them. I pray that for me. We are in your image and likeness, and we have been atoned unto you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and amen.